0: everybody welcome to the use guys in that podcast uh right now so far there's only two of us flying uh you know the los dos amigos uh los Poyos, hermanos de los podcasting go um, I'm, I'm being deliberately um an asshole and uh gringoizing my spanish but um you get the point i don't know if any of you watch uh what is it um better call saul um uh, the last episode and spoiler alert if you haven't watched it you probably should if you're a fan i didn't see coming i am i'm not to be a contrarian but sometimes i find the spin-off of the original to be like m- at least more engaging to me or more interesting i'm a bigger fan of better call saul than i was breaking bad and breaking bad was very good but indeed indeed dude see, i've
1: never i've never watched better call saul
0: oh it is worth your time.
1: What are are they on? Like what, like the fifth or sixth season right now?
0: Yeah, and it's the final one. They're gonna wrap okay. it up this okay. year. I was gonna say because
1: t- I know all the previous seasons. I think are on on Netflix.
0: Yes, yes, they are. And um, yeah. also, I'd be willing to share whatever password I need for you to get caught up because they broke oh. it down <laughs> into. Uh, they're doing. They did a um, a mid season finale uh this past monday and then they're going to do the season finale sometime over the summer the show picks up again in july um just some surprising stuff that happened but it's incredibly well done i enjoy it because it's it's a character arc you're following how james mcgill who becomes saul goodman because it's all good man (laughs) <laughs> That's what he said to his buddy. It's all good, man. So it's Saul Goodman. He also says that he plays the uh, the, the Hebrew card. Um, Shabbat uh, shalom in advance to everybody. By the way, when you hear this, Shabbat shalom. Thank you. Um, unless you're an anti-Semitic prick, in which case you probably shouldn't be listening to the show. Anyway, uh, he so he plays the uh, the Hebrew angle with the uh, the Saul Goodman part. But mm-hmm. like you see his arc, like he starts out working in the mail room. Of his brother's law firm, like Saul, his, his real name is Jimmy McGill, and he, um, the, his brother's a big shot, he runs his own firm, and he's in, and he's in the mail room, and his brother believes that, his, like, the, the dude, his, his older brother believes that his, that Jimmy McGill slash Saul, we're going to call him Saul from now on, uh, he, he feels that Saul's no good, and there's something wrong with him, right, and he keeps kind of holding him back here and there, and getting him into trouble and stuff, and you see, <laughs> it's um, there's something there all the time, but it's the descent into just how corrupt. And by the way, and I said this to my brother-in-law because he's a fan of the show too. I think that he agreed that he liked it better than Breaking Bad.
1: I don't, I don't remember. I've, I've heard a couple people say that. So honestly, like you guys aren't the the only ones that have held that opinion. I've heard a few people say that they like better that they like the Better Call Saul. Okay, excellent. I mean, and you know what? And it's it's saying
0: like I like peanut butter chocolate Oreo ice cream better than I like um, chocolate and peanut butter ice cream. They're both right. outstanding. I just right. happen to prefer one over the other because it has Oreos in it. Okay, <laughs> that's kind of where we're going with this. So, and I and I and again, if you know, if my brother in law is is listening, if I got that right, great. You, you know, I'm paying attention. <laughs> um, but um, you know, you see the descent. It's not like an Anakin Skywalker thing, by the way, for those of you who are Star Wars fans, where he you start out with a very principled character who's out there to do good things. There's something wrong with James McGill from the beginning. And it's, you know, a lot of it is him being overshadowed by his brother and stuff. So you kind of see his descent into the kind of corrupt character. And again, to get back to my brother-in-law, we both agreed that <laughs> if we need an attorney... I want the most crooked son of a bitch you can find me, okay? Right. I want Saul Goodman because he knows how to play the game. He knows how to skirt the law. He know, You know what I'm saying? It's kind of mm-hmm. like when you're dealing with... Anybody remember that uh, movie, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, the documentary? Yeah. Yes. And how the attorney was like, these people know the law better than the lawmakers. They know exactly what they need to do and how to do it in order to get the crazy check or whatever it is. That was a fucking eye-opening documentary, man. Wow. Wow. I remember that. Like when kid rock is, is down, it wasn't kid rock there and he was doing a song with one of the mountain people. And I, I, I forget, but if you haven't seen it yet, a lot of it has been
1: a while since I've seen that
0: (laughs) it's, it's decent. And, um, they even, talk, I mean, even uh, the opioid uh, abuse is something that was mm-hmm. even a theme in that film long ago. Right. So, yeah, man. So Christopher and I go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to
1: say, I'll tell you, there's something that I watched that I turned out to not enjoy at all. Go on. Was, was the Halo TV series. Oh, I haven't seen it. Do tell. Dude, that show is Dog shit. Oh man, really? Absolute dog shit. (laughs) Like, there's like a very small handful of cool moments where there's, because like, I could probably count on one hand how many action scenes were in the whole nine episode season. But like, narratively, like, it just is a slap in the face to fucking video game fans. They make some awful fucking narrative choices. That are just like, I don't want to give it away by going into detail, but like, if you know anything at all about Halo lore and then you watch this show, like some of the ridiculous choices they make are just like, Jesus, tap dancing Christ on a cracker. I, <laughs> I, I, like, I, like I had to watch it out of hate. Like I wound up hate watching it, but like one of my biggest gripes and it's like I knew they were going to like the, is Master Chief takes his helmet off. And I think the dude that plays is John 117, a.k.a. Master Chief. Look, uh, what's his... I think the actor's name is Pablo Schreiber. Looks like a fucking total tool bag. Like, oh, he really? Yeah. And, and it's like he almost never... Like, he's like... And I've heard people make the comparisons to The Mandalorian, and they were like, oh, well, he takes his helmet off. Like, this show is like the opposite of how the mandalorian is you know how like mando almost never takes his helmet off that's right in the entire two seasons i can count on one hand how many times he's taken his helmet off (laughs) in the halo series three times already yeah no 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 three times for the mandalorian he takes his helmet okay three
0: times times. okay he takes his helmet
1: three times three times only in the Halo series, the Master Chief almost never has his fucking helmet on. How odd. Almost never has his helmet on. And there's like there's a scene that's so ridiculous where he like literally puts his helmet on and then like not even 30 seconds later takes it right back off. <laughs> like like just so absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like what the hell's the just, point of that? Right. I, I hated it. I hated it. I absolutely fucking hated it. Like that's that's my opinion definitely when it comes to that Halo series. Like I, I I'm probably I'm one of those dumbasses that's probably gonna hate watch season two because they definitely <laughs> got a season two. All right. But I'm probably gonna hate watch it just so that I can criticize it. But I like season one was just such a like I said, just some of the choices they made with the storyline and then just ah, I hated it. I absolutely, I was so disappointed and and it sucks because like the action scenes, the very few of them are actually pretty damn good and that's where you wind up getting like a lot of your fan service from is in the action sequences because you get to see like the weapons them fighting the covenant but it's just absolute like trash like they tried to like they tried to humanize master chief too much man and like master chief is supposed to be like this stoic fucking badass super marine type <laughs> right and, and they just totally ruin his character for me it just totally ruined this character they tried to like humanize him way too much
0: let me ask you something I know that everybody went batshit crazy when it came, when the word got out that, that this was going to be something that was going to come to fruition because I know a lot of people wanted it to a halo live action or whatever mm-hmm. do you think that this is a trend that we're seeing because in, a, in you know this week obi-wan is going to have his series start okay mm-hmm. we have the Mandalorian we have the book of boba right we have Mm -hmm. we have a lot of this stuff that's going on for people like you and i that's fantastic right because it's being done properly or at least we hope the obi-wan will be um owen Lars does give obi-wan shit in the fucking in the in the trailer (laughs) like he's like (laughs) the boy needs to be trained and then (laughs) like you trained his father i laughed out loud i was working and i laughed out loud i was like that's great i fucking love that uh because those of you know that I'm, i'm not a fan of um the light side of the force not a fan not my thing um, excuse the nerd outburst, but do you feel that this is a trend towards the nostalgic? Like we are seeing, because I, I've been saying it for a long time. I don't know if any of you's agree, but these people seem to be running out of ideas. That's why we keep getting remakes of everything. It just oh, seems yeah. like we're so out like, of ideas. Like
1: the nostalgia is definitely like bait for our generation. You know what I mean? For sure. mm mm-hmm um and hollywood's definitely ran out of ideas i mean like we haven't it's it's pretty much hollywood's pretty much been nothing but like a sequel remake and reboot factory since like i mean given like i know we've had sequels forever but um i mean it's been nothing but like a sequel remake reboot factory since like i'm gonna say like from like starting in like the late nineties, we start to see this trend and then all throughout the two thousands. And I honestly do think that it's like a lot of, a lot of these writers are, are shit. They're absolute shit. Um, there's no creative juice left in it. Um, and, and then I would say probably a lot of it too would be, uh, you know, the suits, um, yeah i think they, that's fair they, yeah a lot of it probably is like studio meddling but like yeah like we really haven't seen a lot of like you know like artist driven like movies or like many original ideas if at all at least in mainstream hollywood i mean it's just like nostalgic for me nostalgic can only get you so far you know like nostalgia needs to be done right um yeah i agree with that 100 percent. like especially like if you're going to use nostalgia like you really need to pay homage to something Mm -hmm. like and have respect for the source material to do it correctly otherwise it's just like empty fan service um good point you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like, it's like the difference between like a, like a cheeseburger and a piece of candy. <laughs> you know what I mean. The cheeseburger, <laughs> yeah. the cheeseburger gives you sustenance and satisfies you, and the piece of candy is like, ah, oh, that tastes good, um, but I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah, ready, yeah. I'm I'm ready for dinner now.
0: Yeah, um, I I think that was well put. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well.
1: But yeah, I, that's definitely a big trend. And I think a lot of it, too, like, especially with Star Wars, since like the fan base has been so divided since the movie that I shall not mention because it'll cause me to go on a tirade. Yes, yes. I'm familiar with which you're you're speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because I'll for sure start going on a tirade about how much I hate that fucking movie. And it's been like <laughs> five or six years and I still fucking but i'm gonna stop myself um, <laughs> so i think that's like a lot of the like like especially with uh some of the star wars stuff is they've been like oh look at all this nostalgia look at all these characters you care about since we destroyed your fucking mythos check this out <laughs> to try and bait people back so like i, I mean i've even read like several articles where like a lot of which is odd um because usually any sort most most media is pretty favorable towards the whole Disney machine. Um, but they were like, Kenobi is gonna be like a make or break, you know, like if Kenobi winds up being hated by fans, they're gonna have a, a very hard time winning people back. And like, I really do hope Kenobi's good, but like I'm 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 I got fucking baited breath over here, man, because like I'm waiting on him to do something to fuck it up
0: yeah um, and they're known for doing that that's the problem that's they, why we're freaking here
1: yeah they are and, and i hate kathleen kennedy i hate that stupid bitch um <laughs> uh, i mean it's just like i guess that's just like with like just about like everything like and as we've noticed over the uh you know over the years is like a lot of you know large movie studios and and shit like that everything's been like merging and merging and everybody's been buying shit up and it's like a lot of a lot of the shit that we grew up on has become so corporatized that a lot of it starts to become like unpalatable agreed Uh, because yeah obvious that they're doing something for like a money make you know it's just solely a money making machine and nobody has like a passion for the artistry of filmmaking like even like even with like comic book movies like there needs to be like a passion for the character and the story like even though it's like you know we all know that like comic book movies aren't gonna win any fucking oscars but then again who who gives a shit about that self-congratulatory fucking bullshit (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's that's a fair statement yeah yeah I don't know, man. Uh, I, I I've really taken to the stuff that John Favreau put together for uh, the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. I both like you it. and I, we love yeah. like the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett are phenomenal, um, phenomenal shows, and we really enjoyed them. And it has a little bit of both. It has something new, but it also has something familiar, which does help. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it, it's empty shit. What did I see Eric July talk about? There's a female Thor. Is am I am I understanding uh, this correct?
1: Yeah, that's so. They did it in the comic books a few years ago, and now in like the new Thor movie, the Thor Love and Thunder, they're doing the Jane Foster's Mighty Thor bullshit. It's okay. a it's tokenized Thor.
0: Tokenized Thor, wonderful, great, yeah. This is yeah. exactly what we all need.
1: Yeah. So and how are the
0: reviews for this shit?
1: Well, Thor: Love and Thunder doesn't come out until July eighth, I think. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So, I mean, even like, uh, like I watched. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've watched. I watched the new Doctor Strange as well, and, and I did like it, but for the but there was like there's a couple characters that they pushed onto that film. One of them in particular that no one gives a shit about. And the other one in particular, they should have just gave her her own damn movie. So like as much as all these places talk about like diversity and inclusion and all that happy horse shit. <laughs> Marvel really doesn't have confidence in like their strong original lead female characters, man. Like it took them forever to put out the Black Widow movie. And then for, and that was meh. Um, It wound up being pretty meh. They did some distasteful shit that I wound up not like. Like, I get, like, my biggest thing is I get so tired of them doing, like, the tokenized route, Um, and that's something that you'll definitely hear Eric July talk about a lot. Like, I get tired of them doing the race swaps, the gender swaps, the sexuality swaps. Like, they have enough characters in their repertoire that they don't need to do any of that shit, but they do it anyways, and it's, like, um it just gets old man because like these are like a lot of them are like characters like nobody asked for lady thor um (laughs) you know what i mean and then like so in doctor so back to my point uh, dr strange so the character that they pushed that nobody gives a shit about is a a a recent semi-recent marvel creation like sometime within like the last 10 years uh but the character's name is america chavez (laughs) and of course like She's uh, like an alien, but she looks Latina. She's a lesbian. She comes from a she comes from a planet of procreating lesbians. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you see where I'm going with this? Like, why they push this character? Um, and so she winds up being a big part of the Doctor Strange movie. But then the other p- portion of it. Was Scarlet Witch, and it's like I really feel like they used Doctor Strange as a vehicle to really make what was a Scarlet Witch movie. Like I really should have been Scarlet Witch in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, you know, with you know, with uh, cameo appearances by Doctor Strange. I mean, like for the most part, it was a decent film, but it's just like if you were going to make like a Scarlet Witch led movie, like why didn't you just make a Scarlet Witch movie?
0: That's a fair point.
1: Yeah. I mean that—that's just how I feel about it, and 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 it's not that like because I do like her as a character, and I I like the actress that plays her. Um, definitely a cool Marvel character, but like, why didn't you just give her her own fucking film? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, like, it's just shit. It's just shit like that, and then they do like the needless race, gender, sexuality swaps, and it's just like they're just trying to check boxes and and really so what they wind up doing when they do shit like that is you you wind up losing like your core comic book fan audience because you're you know fucking up lore and changing shit that was never that way and you wind up losing a lot of your core audience and it's like at the end of the day like Like the normies that go and watch this stuff, like people that have never read comic books or never picked up a comic book in their life or, you know, aren't that intimately familiar with a lot of these characters. Like you could literally make direct adaptations of the comic books and the normies would probably still fucking eat it up. Like they'd still enjoy it. And then you'd also please your core comic book audience. So two for two. right? Right. But instead they go to appease. You know, like, it's like this social justice warrior type of crowd. And at the end of the day, a lot of those fucking people are broke and they're not the ones buying your shit. (laughs) That's a great point. Like, you're fucking making stuff and trying to sell it to an audience that Twitter tells you exists, but doesn't it? But isn't a real core sample. Like, yeah, like, you'll say something or put out a movie that'll get you tweets like retweets and likes and shit on Twitter. But like, is it going to get you money at the box office? Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) And I mean, like, like just like, look at like an example, like that Eternals movie that came out last year. I thought it was fucking terrible. Like absolute dog shit. Like that was probably like, I think that's probably aside from the Captain Marvel movie is probably the worst fucking MCU movie And it did terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought the Eternals was absolute dog shit. Like absolute fucking dog shit. (laughs)
0: Okay. uh,
1: All right. uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Like once that's like another one where they like did like so many race, gender and sexuality swaps with all the Eternals. And, uh, and it's not even really like based on like the original Eternals that Jack Kirby did. It's more of like, uh, more akin to i think it was neil gaiman that did a run was it neil gaiman that did a run on the eternals i think that yeah neil yeah neil
0: Neil gaiman he did american gods too the the author yeah
1: yeah so he did uh he did a run on the eternals and uh and it's more based on his less on jack kirby's but like even then they still change so much shit and they do it to like check all these boxes be like oh Look how diverse and inclusive we are, blah, 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 blah. And that movie did horrible at the box office. And of course, they tried to blame the pandemic and blah, 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 blah. All that bullshit. Well, then just this past Christmas, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home comes out. And I believe they did a good job with the nostalgia in that movie. And that movie raked in over a billion dollars. It was like the highest grossing movie since before the air quotes pandemic in 20, you know, like back like we're talking like 2019, like box office numbers. So
0: well, wouldn't you know.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So like, you know, you can't really use that as an excuse. Like you make a good a good enough movie Mm -hmm. and you do nostalgia right and pay homage to, you know, what came before and have some respect for, you know, some of, the, in this case, not so much the comic book material, but the movies that had come before. Um, and they did a pretty good job with it, pulling in, you know, all three of the on film Spider-Man from the last, you know, 20 years of Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies. And, uh, and what do you know, man, people went and watched it. Cause like a movie doesn't get to like, that big of a box office number without people that go and watch it multiple times. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's
0: a good point. That that isn't
1: like everybody, you know, every, all the whole movie going audience goes and watches it once. And then bam, you know, the movie made a billion dollars. Like it doesn't happen like that. Like you get that happens because there's all kinds of people that loved it so much. that They went and watched it multiple times and they usually bring someone different with them each time they go and watch it.
0: Yeah, to try to at least introduce them and be like, listen, I can't sit here by myself again. They're going to like think me I'm a weirdo more than right. I already am. So right. please come. I'll I, buy they, you snacks.
1: <laughs> they, they might accuse me of pulling a fucking Pee Wee Herman and fucking putting my dick in the bottom <laughs> of the popcorn tub. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know, um, we want to avoid that at all costs, especially at the cost of movie tickets. Just jerk off at home. I mean, really, there's no need to uh, pull it out in uh, your local uh, AMC or um, your Tinseltown, if you're down in the uh, Northeast of Ohio Soviet and you're down uh, Canton way, you know, just keep it in your pants. You can jerk off at home. Trust me. You don't right. need to pay $17 to do it. at The movie theater um, right. and, you know, just have some courtesy. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is the Aero cinema over? Because we're hearing that because of all the streaming. Now, I'm going to go ahead. Full disclosure. I am a cinema fan. I don't care. I I know it's expensive. It You know, it's like those stupid progressive commercials where people like he's like, you know, the guy's taking these people in there. He's like, you know, trying to help new homeowners to to stop becoming like their parents or whatever. And he's like, hey, listen, we already know how much movie snacks are. Okay, we know how expensive it is. You know, essentially, we're just going to pay for it and not complain about it. I'm that guy. I'm not going to complain about it. You can take my money because I enjoy the entire experience going to the movie Mm -hmm. theater. I enjoy it all. I'm there for the previews to either complain about them or perhaps add something to the list of things that I would like to see, but in the advent of everything being streamed, do you think that there is a, uh, still, you know, going to be a market going forward for, uh, feature films in the movie house, or is that something? 100%. I don't don't think that,
1: I don't think that's going away anytime soon, man. Um, good (laughs) i i I honestly don't like i mean obviously you know in the rare case that we uh fucking you know have a full collapse of society then of course it's going away uh but if we're not having this full collapse of society anytime soon um i don't think that experience that like no matter how hard you try you cannot recreate that theater experience at home unless you legitimately build your own theater at home (laughs) yeah
0: that's a good point there's some
1: there's something about that experience like you go in there smelling the popcorn um, oh yeah just the sound system the size of the screen you know now we got like it ain't like back in the day where you know like you had to buy your movie ticket hurry up and get there and hope that there were still good seats because now you can buy your seats ahead of time they got like the comfortable loungers in there with like the reclining seats and shit like that. Like it's an experience that like, unless you're bloody, filthy rich, you can't recreate that at home. Um, yeah, and, you're right. And, and I'm right there with you. Like I'm a total cinephile. Like I collect movies. Like, um, you know, we've talked about this before. where like, I, I still buy physical media, Mm-hmm. um and the thing that i don't trust about like like streaming services are convenient yes i subscribe to multiple streaming services um they're great most of them are a great value for their money um but for archival purposes because then we've already seen this happen on multiple occasions where they go back through And I have like, you know, movies have been edited, things have been cut out or, you know, on the rare case, you got that movie that's just not available on any fucking streaming service, which I've come across on quite a few occasions. So I like to keep them for archival purposes. I like to buy my physical media because I know it'll never be altered and I make my own digital media, so um that's
0: the way to go man that is the way to go so i
1: I take my blue blu-rays i have a program that cracks the encryption i just do a direct rip from the blu-ray compress the file so that it'll play on anything you know i convert everything into mp4s to save on not only hard drive space but uh but like i said just to ensure that it's compatible with just about any device you want to watch it on so, you know, I, I make my own Netflix with uh, with Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's the way that's to do it. it. That, that is the way to do it. But like, so I and I've got like and obviously it's not like I got like the biggest collection in the world, but I've got like almost 500 movies, I think on my movie server. Uh, you know, several TV shows. A lot of them, like the complete collection of the TV shows, like I've—I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the show, but I know I've talked to you several times about how I'm a huge fan of the the American version of The Office. Um, absolutely loved that. That's probably still one of my all-time favorite TV shows. I've legitimately watched all nine seasons of that TV show. I've lost count. Of how many times I've watched it through from beginning to end. So we're talking like I've probably seen every episode more than a dozen times. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty uh, good record. Right. Not even boy, Well, it it's one of those shows that's like so easy to binge watch because once obviously like the show was cut for television, they were only it was only a half hour time slot. So most episodes are like 20 some odd minutes. So it's easy to binge watch, you know, within an hour you can breeze through three episodes. So, Well, um, they finally, like for years, I did not have that in my personal collection because for years, you literally could not get the entire series on Blu-ray. Why is that? I don't know. Well, I mean, it, a lot of it has to do with when the, because the show first came out in 2005. So 2005, you know, HD content was pretty slim. Um, and, uh, you know, Blu-rays didn't even come out until 2006. And, like, late 2006 at that, with the launch of, the like, the PlayStation 3 uh, is what, you know, really popularized Blu-rays. Um, but... You know, so at the time, like, you know, it just, they didn't make, I think it was like the first three seasons you could not get on Blu-ray. You could only get from like season four and beyond on Blu-ray. And this was like for years and years and years. And then finally it was, I think it was, I think it was last year. It was either early early yeah it had to have been it was either early last year or late 2020 they finally released the blu-ray set for it and it was expensive it was like 110 120 bucks i don't i shelled out the money and bought it finally because i wanted it like i'm weird like that like i didn't want like part of you know this show to be standard def and the rest of it to be high def and i didn't want to just buy because you could you could have bought a dvd box set but as we all know that's just standard definition yeah you wanted uniformity in your collection (sighs) i i did i'm that much of a stickler like my ocd like my most favorite tv show in the entire world and i didn't buy the box set for years because i didn't want to have to buy it on dvd And I had actually given up hope. I didn't think that they were going to release a Blu-ray box set. And then I just so happened to hop on Amazon and I looked. And it had like it was it it was so serendipitous, I should say, because they literally just released it like a month. Before I looked for it.
0: That is quite serendipitous
1: now, isn't it? Right. Because I just so happened to hop on and I was like, oh, I'm going to see like I had I had almost decided on like I, I had almost given up. and I'm like, if I can't find it, if they haven't released it all on Blu-ray. Like, I'm just going to get the DVD box set. Like, I'll settle for it all being standard death just because I because Netflix was uh, losing the office. And I'm like, well. That's the the main thing that I watched on Netflix was the office um and they're getting rid of it so I was like I, I must add it to my collection
0: do you know i Low- just, just started watching that show i just started really? doing it. yeah because at first i'm like i don't know if i want to watch a show about work because i'm at work all the time and then so, it's so
1: funny though
0: it's actually quite well done i've enjoyed it i i truly have like and then all of a sudden like i felt it was one of those shows that i could pick up and watch Just randomly, but then all of a sudden Michael Scott disappeared and he's not the boss anymore. And I'm like, what is happening here? So my wife was like, I guess we have to start from the beginning. And I'm like, I I guess you might be right. I don't know.
1: I I will tell you that you're definitely missing out on some good episodes by not watching the end, like the last two episodes or the last two seasons. Like, I get like Michael Scott 100%, I agree with you he was the heart and soul of that television show and it did lose a little something which is obviously why they only carried on for two more seasons and then said yeah we're going to call it quits but the show the series ends on a good note the final episode's awesome um, and there's some there's actually a few super funny episodes in those season so I would suggest powering through and watching it fair enough because there's definitely some good at like you still there there's two components. Well, I should, let me preface that by saying that to me, there are two main components to that show. Um, and that would be number one would be Michael Scott's character, mm-hmm. the character, the character of Michael Scott. Yes. And Yes. to me the other major portion of it is the dynamics between Jim and Dwight
0: well yeah because Dwight was banging his fiance and yeah I remember that part and then they were gonna have a duel in the parking lot and he ended up hitting him with the car and you know and then they both found out that they both decided to, to get rid of the lady um like i I found oh, that you're stuff to you're, be funny. you're
1: you were thinking about that's not Jim and Dwight you're thinking about that's Dwight. You're no Jim is John Krasinski's character. You're thinking of uh oh my god, how can I forget his name? Uh, it's Ed Helms' character because they, bo- they were both begging Angela. That's yes, yeah. That, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Oh my god, I'm I, hold up, this is gonna bother me. <laughs> Marijuana affects the memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god how can i forget this i'm gonna feel fucking stupid as soon as i see it i'm, I'm well, checking imdb hold up
0: <laughs> okay all right we're, we're standing by this is totally not the direction i thought we were gonna go in today but i'm I, you know andy bernard god damn it okay yeah, there we now. go
1: yeah you're thinking about dwight and andy um, Dwight and Jim though they're the antics between them because Jim constantly antagonizes Dwight and Dwight is an idiot savant if you will <laughs> oh I, I've noticed I, I've noticed yeah yeah Dwight is hands down my favorite character um beyond a shadow of a doubt
0: yeah he's he's
1: pretty funny
0: he's I I do enjoy it yeah I um i i've I've started because i was like i don't know if i'm gonna get rid of this goddamn thing i'm waiting for the third season of ragnarok to come back the one that's actually made where you know thor's from which is norway um well i mean you could say sweden too but they were kind of united for a while but that's besides the point scandinavia ladies and gentlemen and it's actually in the native tongue over there it's very cool odin's in there He's like in a retirement home, and then he gets wind that uh, Thor's been reincarnated through this high school kid, and it's just cool. They're getting the band together. But I, I want to—I'm going to I'm gonna do a Gen Ball and say I'm going to go ahead and circle back. I'm going to circle back when you were talking about Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I'll give you a good example of—I don't know what has happened to him. He wrote one of the, my favorite fiction novels ever, ever, and it's called American Gods. And this was like in two thousand and one, okay. And I'm looking right at it down here in the Used Guys library on the Used Guys shelf. I'm looking right at my copy, my well-worn copy, I might add, of American Gods. And it's I highly recommend it if you if you want to read something that's fun and not all the shit that I try to tell you to, to read or ask you to read that'll actually you know help you understand things. That's fine, I understand. Um, if you were looking for entertainment, that book is top shelf. It is excellent. American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Now, here's the thing. In the book, there is a Middle Eastern, because they're dealing with gods that people brought to North America with them. Okay. So, obviously, the Scandinavian people, the people from Norway, Sweden, Denmark, whatever, they brought the Norse gods with them when they came here. Right. So, that's why Odin and Thor's here and Frey, and, you know, that's why they exist here. And of course, um, the, the folks that were brought here. In slavery, um, were also brought uh, their their African gods with them. They're, they're specific to their tribe or what have you. They brought them to their nation. They brought them here. All across, You like Anubis is here because Egyptians apparently, like in the book, of course, they're saying that like Egyptians discovered North America because they sailed across the ocean and they <clears> went <throat> up the Mississippi and people took them for natives for the longest time because they had similar complexion. Um, anyway, so uh, Anubis is here and it's... It's really rad. Okay, it's really rad. The book is excellent. So there's this djinn. It's, I think it's spelled J-I-N-N. It's supposed to be this, fi- like a fire djinn. Like, it's almost like, a, I don't know. I don't want to call it an angel or a demon. It's something out of, I think it's Arab mythology, or it could, and it kind of might have been rolled into um, the Muslim um, mythology of, you know, these you know, angels and all sorts of other supernatural things, right? Mm-hmm. In the book, he so he's this salesman, right? And he's over here trying to make a buck, and he hates his life. And he gets a ride from this taxi cab driver that's wearing these dark sunglasses, in like a and like in Manhattan, it's like one o'clock in the morning. And they end up going to a hotel room together, and the dude in the sunglasses just fucks the shit out of him. Like he just they have sex all night long, or what have you. And then the dude uh, then he takes his glasses off, and it's the gin. Like he has these fiery eyes, right? And then the next morning, the salesman wakes up and the gin is gone and left his like his taxi cab medallion and his clothes there. So he assumes his identity and just carries on driving a cab as if he was the gin guy. Right. So there's gay stuff going on in the book already, which isn't a problem. I don't care. My point is, is that they did a TV adaptation for it. And Neil Gaiman has gone back and revised the copy of American Gods like it was great by itself. But then they added like all of this, they added like a, a, a gay bathhouse orgy into it. And I think it turned a lot of people off. And that's something I, I don't think it has anything to do with being gay. I think it was over the top. And it right, strayed right. so far away from the original story, which is fucking excellent, by the way. Like, I'm, I don't say that lightly. This book is excellent. I've read it so many times. It's fantastic. He's a great writer. There's several books. That, I, that I've read um, by Neil Gaiman. He's a fantastic writer, one of the best, if not the best in the modern era when it comes to, to, to writing fiction. But the TV show was so off target from what the original literature was because I would sit through with my wife and she must have hated it. I'm sure she did. Because every time something happened, I'm like, that's not in the fucking book. That has nothing to do with the story. This is just added bullshit. And I'm not sure why he went in that direction they canceled that fucking show it's gone like they they did two seasons of it and they're like we're not fucking renewing it the reviews are bad well it's because you kept trying to alter the original story i mean that's that's the fucking problem and i'm i'm disappointed because i was hopeful that it was going in the right direction and it's not i'm very nervous about the uh, lord of the rings series the rings of power that's coming out has nothing to do with the dwarf women being african-american or black in complexion they don't have beards okay all dwarvish women have beards you fucks Mm -hmm. okay let's get it right there's no smooth faces down in the minds of moria okay (laughs) not a one not a one let's unless i mean i don't even think maybe you're born with the beard i don't know it wasn't there but that's the problem that a lot of this is getting roped in a lot of some of these fanboys are ridiculous. That They're like, Oh, it doesn't, they're not supposed to look like that. Like that's not the point. They don't have a beard. The lady doesn't have, the queen doesn't have a beard. This isn't the real deal. That's what the real fans are upset about, but there, there's this constant altering of the story. And the reason why I think Tolkien's work has been so successful on screen uh, live action since 2001 uh, is because of the way Peter Jackson did it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are some added elements to that story. For example, those of you who are familiar with the story, there's something called the Battle of Helm's Deep. Okay. Battle of Helm's Deep, uh, the Urukai come down. Sar- um, Saruman's army marches from Isengard. It comes down with these, all these, these super powerful orcs, uh, the Urukai. And then just before the battle starts, the elves show up and honor an alliance that's 3,000 years old. That's not in the book. Doesn't happen it doesn't happen in the book but it's fun to watch Mm -hmm. also in the third installment which is the return of the king uh Viga mortison goes aragon that's you know also known as strider goes into um the, the mountains and gets the army of the dead to fulfill their vow and fight for the king of gondor and in the film they like destroy these pirate corsairs and they take out Shitloads of of orcs from um from mordor that also does not happen in the book they take out the pirate corsairs in the book anyway i'm getting way off topic but the point is it can be fucked with but it has to be done right and Mm -hmm. when you're attempting to cater to point you know 2.5 percent of of your viewership or those are consuming your your material or like when we talked about the, the film that shall not be named along with many other characters in star wars and I've had this argument with other people that you know, they call themselves feminists. It's like, listen, you're not understanding. Strong female characters were there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is Princess Leia? She's the mm-hmm. boss. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Mon Mothma is the boss. Mm-hmm. She runs that shit. that like she is in charge. They're mm-hmm. well written characters. It has. I mean, the that's the first thing we need to start with. Yes, they're female, which I feel is secondary to how powerful right. they are good
1: they're good characters first correct uh, the problem with a lot of these people that are agenda driven is they want to make them you know check this box first whether it's i want them to be woman first you know and then ooh woman strunk
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like that strunk yeah oh, woman woman
1: strunk good at everything yes. better than man yeah <laughs> um, that's the problem is like these people are agenda driven and they want to check these boxes and make you know something you know being a woman isn't a character trait it's not and, th- right, and that's understand. what they try that's what they try and make it like being gay isn't a character trait like it's a part of a person but it doesn't define them and if your gender or your sexuality if that's how you define yourself like you need to find more hobbies i'm sorry like you need to find more hobbies it's a part of who you are but it isn't who you are just like i've heard actually heard somebody put it rather well um i forget who it was um and they said, a woman is not who I am. It's what I am.
0: So this is individualism really coming out like that's yes, you you happen. You are a woman. However, there's far more. It's like saying that my eyes are blue. Okay, great. Yeah. Moving on from that. You know what I mean? Right, but right. It's a part of you. It doesn't, def, you know, make yeah. you who you are as an individual. It's just no, one it, of it the shouldn't things. be.
1: It shouldn't be your defining character trait, you know, like. I can I'm see right. where
0: somebody, yeah, I can understand where they're coming from. I, I, like I said, I understand the feminist point of view as well. I, I, I get it. Um, I, I'm, I, I would consider myself a lowercase F feminist, where, yes, I do think that you know, women are just as capable and have just as much to offer as anybody else. You know, And a lot of some folks feel very strongly about that. And, and that's fine. They're, you're entitled to do that. And coming from their perspective, they may not understand or have the ability to understand what they're looking at. But my, what we're talking about here is when we're talking about writing characters, there's one there's, you check this out. So in American gods, there's one character and Christ almighty. I can't remember what her character's name is. Her, um, her vagina like swallows men whole. Like she pretends to be this whore, but like, she's a goddess that was brought over here. So in order to get men to worship her, like they try to fuck her and then she just swallows them up and they just disappear into her vagina. So they're gone. Huh. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty powerful trait. Cause first of all, men are already attracted to you one and then two, you can eat them with your vagina. That's very, I mean, that's a hell of a, uh, that's a hell of a skill and, and a, and a power that you have. Um, again, another f- powerful female character in in that book. And of course, Laura moon is the main character's wife and she's like undead. And she just goes around killing everybody who fucks with her husband um, or tries to, like, hurt him or whatever. She just goes around and just murders everybody. Again, well-written characters. But speaking of well-written, I finally, yes, we are getting around uh, almost an hour in uh, to the content that perhaps some of you are waiting for. Or, you know, the six and a half of you that decided not to tune it out as soon as we started talking about you know comic book movies or fantasy whatever uh again um i enjoy it and if you don't that's just too bad i'm sorry to hear that so we had an email come in and um <laughs> so the uh this individual says jay uh so i was fanboying over episode 47 that's the one where uh i mentioned jury notification I just wondering if we could circle back around to that ha ha yes i get it circle back um <laughs> i get it in an anarchist world why uh play their game and blah blah in the real world we still have to play the game so now more than ever that the man behind the curtain is being revealed jury nullification might actually be more in the grass maybe it's time for more hans Hermann hoppe or late murray rothbard kind of mindset anyway you guys kick ass peace first of all thank you very much for writing um i wrote you back as you well know thank you so much for uh the support i appreciate it And we have talked about jury nullification a couple of times, obviously, the other one being on the Patreon. One of our patrons asked us to talk about it, and we'll talk about it again here today. First and foremost, I am an advocate of jury nullification. Um, In fact, I think that um, that's an, an important role that we all can play to interfere with the state trying to fuck somebody over and of course the one thing that we cite regularly on this show is the 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 drug laws in this country Mm -hmm. i think that that is i i'm an advocate for it and i sincerely hope that if if the rest of you have the opportunity to get out there and are called to jury duty over a drug case whether you know if it's possession or you know something like that where nobody got hurt like you weren't holding rocks and you know shooting you know at a school bus. Okay. Right. Yeah. Was, I, like,
1: was it a victimless crime?
0: Correct. And even if the victim is yourself, that that's fine. That's your business. Um, again, I am an advocate for that. And I think that people should take the initiative, especially those of us who have a lowercase libertarian mindset, or one where you just hate the fucking government, and you don't want them to fuck somebody over that doesn't have it coming to them, especially those people who are making a personal choice to engage in that kind of um uh, you know substance consumption okay mm-hmm. or if they're selling it to somebody like if, if i'm selling um you know refer to chris g uh it's nobody's fucking business first of all it's a voluntary interaction
1: mm-hmm. it's a
0: voluntary transaction There's and a the true state- example
1: of the free market
0: correct and the here's the thing too this is the the, the, the nefarious side to it when it comes to the judicial system. And again, we've talked about it before on the show how I have a hard time understanding the concept of justice when the prosecutors, the police, and the public defenders and the judges are all paid through the same check, mm-hmm. right? They're all, they're all, you know,
1: mechanisms, they're spokes in the wheel that is the state. Cent- centralization is ripe for corruption and cronyism.
0: You said it right, man. You said it best, and it's 100% correct. So, Yes, I fully advocate for the power of the jury to get in there. And remember, you that is like I think it's it's obviously a much more powerful weapon than voting by orders of magnitude because it mm-hmm. has a direct impact on somebody's life that yes. could be ruined forever. So, yes, if you have the opportunity to get out there, I, I've tried to serve on a jury a couple. I was called a couple times. I, I couldn't even believe they got a hold of me. I, I hadn't voted. <laughs> you know, so, they they and, go
1: off the driver's license records now. That's it.
0: That's exactly what my wife told me. She's like, well, yeah. you're not getting out of it. So I go in there hoping that I can make that I can make an impact on somebody who has been involved in a victimless crime. The nefarious aspect of this, again, to circle back is we don't see the monetary loss to that individual. What we're talking about here is paying an attorney. I mean, if you can afford one because a public defender, yes, you are entitled to have a, a public defender if you cannot afford your own counsel. However, despite shows like better call Saul, most of these public defenders are interested in you cutting a deal regardless of the yep. status of your innocence or guilt it matters. Oh, not. They're
1: all about that plea bargaining. Correct.
0: Even if, it, it, oh, it's evil, because even if yeah, you're literally yeah. innocent and didn't do anything that they will tell you, the, there are people on record who have said, I understand, but you don't have the money to fight this if it goes to trial. And mm-hmm. if they convict you, you're looking at a heap of time versus if you mm-hmm. just cop to a lesser plea and then it looks good for everybody. And then the government loves it because guess what? They didn't have to pay the jurors the, the whopping $20 a day or whatever the fuck it is. The prosecutor doesn't have to to show up to work, right? Uh, the judge doesn't have to get off the boat and stop, uh, you know, uh, fishing wherever the fuck he's at. Um, it, it, all of it, and of course, the courts continues to make money, okay? Because you have court fees that are associated with any filing of paperwork. If anybody anybody's ever gotten married before, if you've been to court for whatever reason, there's court fees, even if nothing really happens. So when they take the plea deal, they're saving money by keeping people at home, but you still got to cut a check. And it looks like that they're rolling the cases through, that they're being, um, I, I guess you could say they're expediting justice, they're being quick about it, a Very quick and speedy nefarious. trial. Very nefarious. It's no good. So if you have the opportunity to throw a wrench into the works, I highly suggest that you do, in fact, take advantage of that. And again, this is, this is a great example. We talked about this. With Ray, when she came on to the podcast, direct action. This is a great example of direct action where you could save somebody's life. I'm not talking about some son of a bitch that like to touch little kids. I'm not talking about a Catholic priest. Right. I'm I talk- mean, we're yeah. talking
1: about drug offenders who the vast, vast majority of them are nonviolent. They've had violence forced upon them by the state. Chances are they were probably raided with a no knock warrant, which is bullshit to begin with. Um. then you got uh, asset forfeiture. Mm-hmm. So the state stole their property. So they've had violence enacted against them. The state stole their property. And now through coercion, they're forcing them to take plea bargains.
0: There you go. That's that's the and, bottom line. And, and, and
1: most of it is a victimless crime. I think jury nullification is the moral choice. Agreed. When it comes to cases like that. Now when it comes to pedos, rapists, and murderers, as much as I still hate the idea of using the state as a means of punishment, I feel significantly less sympathy. I, actually, to be honest with you, I feel no sympathy for them. No, um, none at, at all. But, but, but at the end of the day, like just another example of how fucked up the justice system is, is people with drug charges typically get hit harder than murderers and pedos, especially pedos. And that's like, to me, that's just so unjust that people who get, so if, yeah, if you get the opportunity to be on a jury and throw your weight around and get some jury nullification going like that, in my opinion, would be a moral obligation to do so in cases like that. Um, yes, 100%. because chances are the justice system is going to throw a much harder penalty at them than they do at violent offenders.
0: Didn't we talk about that already, Chris? Remember that one in Akron? What uh, was an 11 year old girl was raped by this fucking animal, and uh, he, he the guy has to potentially get out of, out of prison in 16 years. He got a life sentence, but he's up for parole in 16. Meanwhile, there are people who are who will do more time for drug offenses, you know, and it to me, it's the word miscarriage is aptly used here. Uh, It is a it is a disgusting miscarriage of justice. Um, And again, you're talking to somebody I know that I fall on the uh, I'm an outlier when it comes to the vast majority of opinions in the community, if we want to even call it that, for those who share most of the ideological bent that that we have or that I have, um, and you know my friends here have, um, I think that those who do those things to uh, to the least amongst us, like um, you know children, you know raping children, raping in general, um, it's a um, it's you know we're going to tie you to the tree and then feed half of you to the sharks and the rest of the flies. That's right. the way it should be. I'm sorry. I, I, you're never going to talk me down off of
1: that. Like, it's just a non-starter. I would say that a proper punishment. Uh, let me let me let me look up the word here first.
0: Sure. A proper punishment. I'm excited to see what the word is that we're going to be using for this particular. Uh, right. for, yeah, oh, I ahead, just wanted though. to
1: make sure. So. It is a particular execution method that was used in the Persian Empire. Mm -hmm. Um, It is called scaphism. So it is or or some people might be more familiar with its colloquial term slash description, which is boat torture.
0: Ah, go on, please. I know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) So uh, this was a punishment that was reserved for the worst of the worst. Um, And what they would do is they would take two boats and they would make cutouts for your hands and your feet and your head. And they'd tie you inside of these two boats and they would force feed you a mixture of milk and honey. And with a lot of people, you force feed them that much milk. It's going to give you diarrhea (laughs) Um, and they leave you tied into these boats basically well not basically until you die and then and then some so they would force they would force feed you and cover you in milk and honey which would then give you intestinal issues and then flies wasps bees all sorts of other insects would be attracted to you and would be landing on you and then with you know, the, the diarrhea setting in, uh, you get all sorts of other parasites that are attracted to that. And then you're basically eaten alive. You're either a eaten alive by insects or, or B you die from septic shock. That is a horrific form of execution. That is, and I would say that if we're going to be getting rid of pedos, let's get rid of the wood chipper. You know, we can put that away for now. Maybe you can get it out later. You know, maybe we <laughs> can mix it up. If you're really a big fan of the wood chipper, I don't blame you. I mean, it's, it's a great idea. But scaphism, man, I'll tell you, if there's a method of execution that I would want, that I would not want to be enacted against me, It would be that that would be a horrible, miserable way to die. And that ensures that you suffer for sure.
0: Yeah, there's definitely that a lot of pain and suffering involved in that one. And I can't say I disagree with that method of dispatching of individuals who have committed those horrific crimes. Speaking of crime, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of notes on crime. First of all, at five something this morning. On Biruta Street in Akron, there was the 14th homicide of the year. That is, a 15-year-old boy was shot in the chest after there was a huge argument outside of a home in the 1000 block of Biruta Avenue, which is off of East Avenue, for those of you are familiar with Akronistan. Uh, it's a street that runs uh, through Kenmore and all the way down past uh, 261 Vernon Odom Boulevard. Um, It's in that block. I think that there's a um, there's a Catholic church on the corner. I think there's a convent there. Um, Bob's Hamburg, not hamburger, but Hamburg is right down the street from there. So it might be dangerous to get a burger in that neighborhood um, after, you know, 5 a.m. Who knows? But yes, not to make light, we have had our 14th homicide of the year in the fair city, and it is not even June yet. So we're on we're on a great pace here in Akron. A lot of bad things happening. Just like, you know, the girl that, that was almost abducted at the bus stop that was caught on video. Um, oh, bad, yeah. Bad shit happening. So be careful. Those of you that have family and young kids in Akronistan, you know who you are. Just be careful. Keep an eye out. And remember, next month is a uh, is um, uh, constitutional carry comes into um, full effect next month. So remember, the only way to stop somebody who wants to harm your children is to fill them with holes until they stop moving uh however whatever method that might be if it It is
1: guns use the great
0: equalizer yes as samuel colt put it um here's some news for you got some i got a couple of news stories left two of them are interesting one of them is very very is almost in a category by itself weird news but we're going to start with a little bit of news uh senators demand all records on biden's ministry of truth (laughs) that's interesting Uh, the Senate, uh, the senator sent a joint letter Monday to DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorcas, noting we write to request immediate access to all records and communications related to the Department of Homeland Security's new disinformation governance board. The letter further explained we are therefore demanding transparency into the department's decision making process so that we can learn why the department ever thought creating a disinformation board would be a good idea. It also takes aim at Mallorca's for testifying that he had no idea about the long history of partisan public statements of Nina uh, Jankovic, the person uh, who the DHS had placed in charge of the disinformation scheme, also known as the Mary Poppins of disinformation. We played her singing. Um, uh, yeah, my ears have yet to recover oh, from that. I'll go back to that if you want to watch. We're not going to play it today. Like I've, I've had a good day. We're not going to ruin it now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, On May 4th, 2022, you testified before the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee about the creation of this new board and accepted sole responsibility for appointing Nina Jankovic as its executive director. Surprisingly, you testified that you were not aware of her long history of partisan public statements letter notes. The senators included a list of demands for the DHS to provide A, written or recorded communications concerning the formation of the board. B, the agenda or minutes from any meeting in which the board's formation was discussed c any illegal review to determine whether the activities of the board would be authorized by the constitution of the united states har, 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 har. d any communications or records about the individuals who'd be recruited to serve on the board e any communication concerning the appointment of an executive director to the board and f for fuck you any communications with the white house about the formation of the board of appointment of officials to serve on the board. The senators who put their names to the letter are Josh Howley, Rick Scott, Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, and James Lankford. I'm sure that it will go nowhere, but it's a nice attempt, ladies and gentlemen. So um, somebody's trying to get some answers here and we'll see what happens. Now, let's get on, you know, I've been critical of our friends over, uh, you know, the Wobblies and the IWW. Uh, even though I consider myself a fan and supporter of the union. So we got some news here uh, from them. Uh, This is a little bit recent. So it's the IWW launches new organization organizing program to train workers. And this is from Adam F. Naughton. As employers continue to use the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic to amass record profits, more and more workers are reaching out to labor unions for assistance with organizing their workplaces. For the industrial workers of the world the labor union that trains workers to be organizers this has meant finding new ways to build capacity for assisting workers who reach out for help to that end the iww's organizing department board recently launched the branch development external organizers shadowing program with the purpose of increasing both the number of union members who can assist in workplace organization efforts from the outside also known as external organizers and a number of local IWW branches capable of supporting campaigns on their own. Aaron Conway Fucius, an IWW, IWW member who serves on the organizing department board and helped develop the new shadowing program, describes it as important to getting the union to a place where the majority of members are organizing in workplaces with a sizable team of external organizers to aid new campaigns. Quote, the goal is for every small branch, without many of their own experienced people to be able to build up on their own apparatus to support anyone who reaches out to them, end quote. Any worker has the potential to be an organizer. Ideally, everyone in the union will be someday who can organize. That is not to say, though, that everyone knows organizing best practices. While the IWW's flagship organizer training program, the Organizer Training 101, teaches those best practices. Conway Fuchsius admits that it isn't always practical to get workers into a multi-day training. That's where the external organizers come from. I completely agree with that, by the way, because most of these people are stuck at work for a long period of time and it's very hard to take that kind of time off. So that's good that they're finding a way to work with the schedule of the the individuals they're trying to represent and protect in the workplace. I think that's great. So quote the primary role, is the external organizers to bridge the gap so you can reach out to us and get organizing from day one. An external organizer is somebody who you can talk to through the early steps, check in with you in your tasks, provide feedback, and give you an idea of how to organize your workplace. Molly D, who also serves on the organizing department board, saw the need for mentorship in the IWW, was excited to help Conway Fuchsius develop this new program. It's open to every IWW uh, union and branch in North America. Branches can vote to join the program and elect one or two members to participate. Um, Once an IWW member is chosen by their branch to participate in the program, they will begin sitting in on meetings with workers uh, interested in organizing after completing the organizer training 101 and observing three meetings with the same worker. The participant is considered for the next level of shadowing for a junior external organizer where they begin handling meetings with workers alongside a more experienced organizer. So this is good news for them. I sincerely hope that it materializes into, you know, something that is very effective in the workplace. Um, we do, we've talked about it. I'm very sympathetic. I was a member of one of the largest unions in the country for a long time, and it's ineffectiveness at representing the interests of workers. It will be good to see that. And I don't think you need to be a commie to stand in solidarity with your fellow workers in the working class. I don't think that they're, we've kind of been trained a little bit, brainwashed, dare I say. Um, In fact, um, uh, my former place of employment, uh, and Christopher knows this very well, even the mention of trying to vote in and form a union is grounds for automatic firing. They can get rid of you immediately just for trying to exercise your right to organize. The problem is, is that because unions have you know, and this is not definitely not the IWW and we can be critical, but we have to be fair and honest. They are not the problem. The problem is you have a lot of unions, including my former uh, union, which is communication workers of America, who have a lot of people who have gotten very fat and comfortable at the top forgetting about the reason why they are there in the first place was to protect their workers. Instead, they've voted in quote, voted in. Um, I'll never forget this. We, You know how the, the concept of solidarity is that, you know, In a local, you can have several different functions, right? So I was working on the dock. I was a dock worker. And then down the street from us, we had the um, T-Mobile line workers. uh, The people who worked actually, you know, with telephone lines or with cell towers or any of that stuff, right? So when they went on strike, the old way of doing things was when one part of the house went on strike, everybody did. We, everybody, the whole, all work stops until the grievances have been addressed. That doesn't happen anymore and that's probably one of the reasons why the unions do not have the power that they used to um along with you know uh, you know the uh misplaced ideas that everybody was a communist that was in the organization Uh, again there were communist elements there's probably communists working in the government right now and i'm not just saying that so joe biden's a communist joe biden's not a communist he's a fascist he's not a communist uh there's a distinct difference between those two things um but uh, th- all this, you know, this commie baiting that happened for all these years, thinking that organized labor, genuinely, there are individuals who really wanted to help workers. A lot of this, if you t- remember, we uh, talk about the Haymarket uh, riot that happened, where you had eight people who were um, convicted of things that they were exonerated posthumously like that matters because they were, you know, a lot of them were executed like Albert Parsons. Uh, that riot was started by the police throwing bombs at workers, the workers were protest- protesting two things, police brutality and demanding an eight-hour workday. Okay? One of those things we've seen come to fruition. The other one continues to be a problem. Do you see where we're going here with this? You don't have to be a communist to realize that there's a fucking problem with people being um, exploited and used and treated like garbage. You know, a lot of the stuff that happens with the unions or that did happen with unions had more to do with safety protocol, people going down in the mines, not being able to breathe oxygen. That's a fucking problem. Okay. And people should be able to organize and protect their safety and self interest than their bottom line. Would that be in the case? I wish the IWW the best and I hope that um, it works out. And I hope that the union grows to be a more powerful force uh, for those uh, in the working class. So good luck to them. Uh, Fair play. Now for the weird stuff, weird and interesting. Dare I say interesting. So check this out guys. This is I love this shit because you know, who knows? We talk about it all the time. I'm scared to death of the ocean. We like oh, you can't swim. No, it's not about swimming. It's about the terrors that exist in the sea. We know more uh-huh. about Mars than we do about the ocean, okay? That's a fact. We we've mapped uh, Mars. We've gone we've gone into space. We know more about the solar system than we do about the majority of the oceans here on the blue planet, okay? Um you know, I'm not I, the octopus scares me because its big friend is the, 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 the giant uh, squid that they said was fake until they discovered that it wasn't fake. So Christ only knows what's down there. But this is interesting. So check this out. Massive underwater volcano home to mutant sharks erupts in the depths of the Pacific Ocean. A huge underwater volcano has erupted deep within the Pacific Ocean, sending plumes of water towards the surface seen from outer space. NASA satellite images captured the magnificent explosion of the Kavachi volcano named Sharkano. Okay, not Sharknado, not Shakira, Sharkano. Okay, just make sure we get this right. All right, a large plume of discolored water can be seen emerging from the underwater volcano, which lies 15 miles south of Vangunu Island. Cavici got its name from the sea creatures that are able to live within its harsh conditions and live deep within the ocean among floating fragments of rock. Scientists became familiar with this volcano in a 2015 oceanic study. Their findings reveal how fish and sharks can survive in the hot, sulfur-infused, acidic waters surrounding the volcano. Two shark species, the silky and scalloped hammerhead, were filmed swimming in the submerged crater during a field trip. Experts believe that the sharks may have mutated in order to cope with the extreme conditions. Their survival race quote, new questions about the ecology of active submarine volcanoes and the extreme environments in which large marine animals can exist. They commented in a 2016 article uh, titled Exploring the Sharkano. The latest eruption was pictured by NASA satellites via the operational land imager. The powerful telescope scanned the Earth from the land sat eight satellite as it orbits the planet is able to take detailed photos of the land and sea from space. The eruption lasted several days between April and May of 2022. A NASA spokesperson said the volcano erupts near continuously and residents of nearby inhabited islands often report a visible steam and ash. The island is named for a sea God of the Gatoke and Vangunu peoples. It is sometimes also referred to as Regiotekvichi, or Cavici's or Cavachi's oven, excuse me. So, um, the volcano previously entered the eruptive phase in October 21, uh, according to the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program. Other large eruptions, Cavachi prior to the current activity, were in 2007 to 14, according to the Space Agency. So, scalloped hammerhead, these sharks with large fish, let's call them. Very large fish have adapted silky and scalped hammerhead, um, being able to swim in very hot and sulfuric uh infused waters. I think is phenomenally interesting. Phenomenally interesting because it just goes to show how awesome you know evolution is as far as you know the adaptation of animals. You know, and these guys, sharks are what 65-66 million years old? I mean, they're around during the dinosaurs, and here. You know, and of course, we don't know how long this adaptation has taken place, but it's definitely something of great note. So anyway, if you're down by the Sharkano, be careful because the scalloped hammerhead could be out and about. And maybe the, you know, sulfuric water, you know, maybe gets it a little agitated and decides to take a chunk out of you. Um, I find hammerheads to be some of the coolest sharks because, you know, the shape of the skull, obviously, and that they school. You know, they hang out together. So you'll know, see, I don't know if you remember, watched, uh, I think it was David Attenborough does the um, uh, the BBC one on uh, planet Earth where they have these 4K cameras, these underwater cameras, and they look up to the surface and you just see these massive schools of hammerheads. It's just very cool shit, man. Like I'm a shark guy. I'm not getting in the water, but I'm happy to look at it from a screen or perhaps, you know, in an aquarium. Like they had some cool shit at, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, they have a great aquarium there and they had some reef tip sharks in there. That's very cool. It's about as close as I care to get large piece of glass between the shark and I, I also on dry land, phenomenal. It stays in there. I stay here. That's the way it should be. Um, after all, our ancestors did come out of the water probably because the fucking sharks were running around eating. Everybody said there needs to be a better way. And here we are paying mortgages, rent, and going to work. So again, there is a trade. off. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's some weird news, uh, different news. Uh, I don't have anything else for you guys. We were supposed to have a guest tonight. Unfortunately, that guest wasn't able to make it, so we're going to have to figure out about rescheduling. But, um, yeah, that's all I have for, to, uh, for today. So, if again, in closing, if you have the opportunity to serve on a jury and save somebody's life from a, non, uh, a victimless crime, uh, please do so. Try to help out. Um, it could be you someday. You know what I mean? So the wheels of justice are, you know <laughs> – They spin uh, very quickly and very harshly in the direction of poor people. Uh, So just keep that in mind. Um, And again, I fully support and thanks for writing into the show. I greatly appreciate it. So uh, Christopher, do you have anything that you would like to add before we depart for the evening?
1: Uh, Nope.
0: All righty. Well, uh, the boss called off. Uh, She's sick again. um, So she wasn't able to make it. And uh, Brian, the sexy face of the show had something <laughs> stupid stupid to do called work. He had to show up to work today. So um, that's it from the Los Dos Amigos. Uh, we appreciate it. I'd like to thank our sponsors at this time. With Ray Faba, Fine Art and Design from the Great Lakes. Team Mandalore, who does keep cycling extremely weird. I paint Akron, where all accidents are happy accidents. And ladies and gentlemen, please, please, what would be a you guys in that podcast sign off without talking about agorisnexus.com. See, I got you there. No, agorasnexus.com is a great website for you to check out. Our friends are over there, especially uh, put together. Brandon does a great job. Puts, and it's an excellent website. I'm not just saying that because they're sponsored sponsor of the show. They listed us there well before, for free, by the way, before we, uh, we, we ever got into an agreement of sponsorship. And um, they do a phenomenal job. Brandon does a, phenom- a phenomenal job. And you can find a lot of products and services on there again, some of you do pay for, but a lot of them are not, are, are, there's no paying involved. It's free. Uh, so check it out if you want to educate yourself or, you know, you're looking for alternatives for seeds or crypto or anything like that. Check it out, agorasnexus.com. But ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about your asshole health, okay? So I don't know if any of you in the Northeast Ohio Soviet noticed this past weekend before we had a giant monsoon come through. How do I know this? Because I was outside in the heat. Ladies and gentlemen, the heat index was approaching almost 100 degrees on Saturday. Okay, with high humidity. I have a Siberian Husky who is not built for that kind of heat. Uh, They just don't have, it gets hot on the step, but not quite that humid. Um, It was disgusting. Uh, Several times I had to stop for a water break. I was over at my mother and father's house trying to take care of the yard for them while they were out on holiday. Just trying to do the right thing, take care of the yard for them. was a big mistake. I should have done it a different day when it wasn't sweltering. But I mean, I was covered in head to toe, not only with the ball vinegar, sweat, and disgusting, you know, just, just sweaty, sloppy mess, but I was also covered in grass clippings, something we don't think about very often when we're taking care of our yards, perhaps, doing a bit of lawn care, a little weed eating, maybe. Maybe you're just out for a walk, and somebody who has cut their grass has decided to leave it all over the sidewalk, and the wind kicks up. Next thing you know, you've got grass stuck to your calves. Your cankles, if you're a little bit on the heavier side, I don't even have cankles, ladies and gentlemen. I have normal, normal ankles. Um, They get brittle because I'm getting older, but that's okay. Still the regular ankles. But you get covered in this shit, the schmutz, I guess you could say. Uh, Pollen is out there sticking to you with that sweat, the fat folds, a lot of bacteria, disgusting things happening out there. We have high temperatures returning. Okay, we do. In the next week, we're going to see temperatures approach 90 and cross over 90 degrees. Ladies and gentlemen, please do yourself a favor and check out AkronApothecary.com. My friend Todd's very gay soap, cold pressed, made from gentle gay hands for your very gentle crevices, assholes, ball sacks, vaginas, under boobs, man tits, whatever you have, double chins, fat folds, wherever sweat, grime and dirt hide. My friend Todd's gay, salt, gay soap will act like as a salt soap. You've heard of a salt rifle? We have a salt soap on this show, ladies and gentlemen. This product attacks dirt, attacks stink, attacks the coronavirus in your asshole, maybe even the monkeypox. We haven't had it tested yet, but that's next on the list should we run across it. Don't you worry. And I am fully confident that Todd's very gay soap will be able to sort that out for you leaving you smelling fresh, clean, but also sanitized. This soap is medicine, ladies and gentlemen, medicine for your asshole. It is medicine for your taint, the dung ditch, keeping yourself fresh and clean, especially during these hot months that are approaching for your special someone or someones. Nobody likes it when you show up with a smelly asshole and you're full of sweat and grime and you're disgusting. Please, take into consideration if you're riding uh, the Port Authority bus in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Remember, you're sitting next to somebody else. Show some fucking courtesy. Wash yourself with Todd's gay soap. Keep yourself clean because Todd's gay soap is
1: soap for that ass.
0: <laughs> Indeed, it is soap for that ass. Uh, <laughs> as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. It's a pleasure, uh, from, you know, to talk to Chris. Uh, you know, it just—it's great. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget, there were two B sides that released this week on the patreon again thank you to the patrons deeply grateful check out those two if you haven't done so already give me some feedback what you think of them uh you can reach us through the patreon or directly you know how to get a hold of us uh don't forget to like and subscribe on the facebook and the bit shoot and the youtube and everywhere else you fucking find this thing including spotify we're on spotify too so thank you very much for your time everybody ladies and gentlemen take care of yourselves please and um wash your ass of case soap we'll see you later peace